Hey y'all, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I am your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at iamcannabisativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at iamcannabisativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at iccativapod. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Overcast, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes, as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing and you find yourself coming around often, please become a Patreon supporter of this podcast and support us. By supporting us, this helps us to keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to HTTPS anchor.fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I see sativa podcasts. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 tier if you're feeling extra generous. Hey y'all. Mrs. Sativa here. Hope you guys are having a very good one. Hope you guys had a very good Thanksgiving and a good holiday with your family. Um, so I'm going to talk about today's episode. Um, as you, as you know, allowing craft cannabis and small cannabis businesses to have a chance in this nascent legal cannabis industry is a motif I talk about all the time on this particular podcast. Making sure that the average Jane or the average Joe has a shot at opening up a cannabis business and that we're just not, we're not just consumed and um, dominated by big marijuana and the med men's of the world is, is key. I talk about that so often. I talk about how, Maine's medical marijuana program and they're sort of I often talk about their farmers market style uh cannabis scene and their craft cannabis and their robust caregiver network which allowed their their program to be dominated by small growers by small cultivators by people who put tender love and care into their product as opposed to conglomerates like an Arizona system. I mean, at least with Arizona system, um, you have, you have, you have, I want to say over a hundred dispensaries, you have them charging less than 200 per ounce, usually like 90 per half ounce a lot of the time. And, they just made it so cards will last two years instead of one. At least if we're going to have a big cannabis run program, I'd rather have Arizona's program where, you know, the dispensaries are, are, um, there are plentiful dispensaries and the dispensaries are making so much money that they're petitioning the state to make the card, to make the reduce the card and 
to make it so you only have to renew once every two years as opposed to every year. You know, at least have it so the big, so, so the big cannabis companies are pretending to give a crap about me. In Massachusetts, these big cannabis companies, they charge 300 pounds. They, they rarely run sales. And when they do run sales, they're, they're, they're sort of an insult. And at least, at least if we're going to have big corrupt cannabis, at least have it work to my benefit. Like it works in Arizona. You know what I mean? But, um, let's talk about, what British Columbia is doing. It looks like they were going to be making power moves and adopting in, in trying to get the legacy market, AKA the black market to join the legal market in, in, in Canada. As we all know, the Canada has, has made it legal for all adults, but getting eradicating the black market has been a problem because they made regulations that a lot of the provinces is too onerous. So only these big cannabis companies can even do it. And the regulation you have to go through it and the compliance that you have to abide by with, with health Canada's rules is, is, is so much, you know? So you have, it's so only these big companies can do it. And you have these provinces not, having enough dispensaries for a ginormous population. We talked about how in, I want to say Ontario, where that's their largest province, you have some like 12 million people there and you only have like, what, 30 stores, if not less than that, in in, in such a gigantic province. You know, that's like, that's like, that's like Massachusetts right now. Um, I mean, yeah, that's like Massachusetts only having like 30 adult use dispensaries like, like we do now. And, and, and people complaining that the, there's crowding at the few ones that exist and, and that, that, um, the crowds are causing problems to the locals. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no shit. I mean, of course that's going to happen when you don't open enough dispensaries and you, you, you create so much red tape that only, only the most moneyed and the most financially secure could even have a shot. So let's read about what British Columbia is doing and what we can learn from in, in, in the States, what we can learn from in Mexico, what we can learn from in Uruguay or, the Australian Capital Territory, wherever you happen to be, wherever you happen to be listening to this from. Let's do this. So this is from Marijuana Business Daily, and it is written by Matt Larners. British Columbia Chamber lobbies province over craft cannabis cultivation. The Chamber of Commerce in British Columbia wants the province to adopt policies encouraging craft cannabis businesses to join the regulated market, including allowing proprietors to keep their doors open during the transition into the legal fold. I'm liking this. The proposals were among a number of policies the Chamber had asked Public Safety Minister Mike Farnsworth to consider during a recent lobbying effort according to records from the Office of Register of Lobbyists. The business group also wants the province to encourage municipalities to create bylaws for micro and standard businesses. Red tape and municipal level has been 
a hurdle thus far for businesses operating in and those looking to join British Columbia's federally legal adult-use cannabis industry. In addition, the British Columbia Chamber made the following proposals with regards to craft and micro-producers. The group wants the province to allow existing gray market cannabis businesses to remain open while they transition to the regulated market, prioritize the purchase of British Columbia-grown products by the provincial wholesaler, allow direct sales to consumers by cultivators. I love that. I love that provision so hard. Provide enhanced market access to micro-class licensees. Create a mechanism for craft producers to sell direct to private cannabis retailers. Again, you used to do this under Prop um, 215 before California went adult use. Um, their program was so amazing and was so comprehensive and was so favorable both to the patient, the home grower, the person who's a cannabis businesswoman or man who sells some of their plants to dispensaries. You were able to do that back in the day before Prop 64 became law of the land. But yeah, you used to be able to sell directly to dispensaries and to caregivers. And when you have a program like that, it lowers the barrier of entry because if you own your own property, you can grow you can grow a couple of plants or whatever and you can flip them and they pass for, for, they pass lab testing and they're proven to be safe. Why shouldn't you be able to do that? You know, um, it, it, it makes the, it makes the cannabis industry more democratized and it allows the average Jane to have a seat at the table. That's the way it should be. The Chamber is among a group of organizations that have been lobbying the province over its canvas policies in recent months. Others include, I'm going to butcher this, Seswekmek Axgatmem First Nation, the Herbco Aura Cannabis Kronos Group, Williams Lake Indian Band, Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses, Greater Victoria Chamber of Commerce. I'm glad that the First Nation people have a seat at the table. It's important that, that, that drug war victims get priority and first crack at this new industry. Very important. It's paramount, in fact. British Columbia em- employs a unique dual public-private model for canvas retail. However, the Chamber is asking the province to ensure fairness in distribution and retail between the two systems, in part by allowing private retailers to engage in online sales. The province operates a monopoly channel for online sales, a channel that thus far has failed to catch on with consumers. The Chamber also wants the province to maintain equitable distribution of products between provincial and private retailers, Ensure the provincial wholesaler's price structure not undermine private retailers. Make sure the vetting process for cannabis retail staff equivalent to that for alcohol. The chamber asked the province to consider adopting at a minimum a policy to provide temporary work permits for pending employees while security screening is underway. Canada's year-old 
regulated cannabis industries, also creating a tremendous amount of packaging waste, specifically hard to recycle plastics. The chamber wants something done about packaging waste, namely laws to be revised to allow simpler, sustainable, reusable packaging. Health Canada's conduct conduct a review of environmental impact of regulated packaging rules on waste. The chamber is calling for an end to the government wholesale monopoly by creating a private distribution license. This will relieve the liquor distribution branch of the task of accumulating potentially thousands of small producers who will be regulated under the micro license categories and help these small producers gain access to the market, according to the chamber, which said the move would allow for increased small business activity in the industry. End of article. So if you live, if you live in legal Massachusetts and you're you're one of my mass listeners, right, right, right to the CCB Cannabis Control Board. Let them know you want a craft industry, like I've been preaching about since the duration of this podcast. If you haven't already, let the CCB know what you, what you want and what you're thinking. Do so if you haven't already. But it's very important that we make getting into the legal industry easy because. In California, you had a very good thing going under Prop 215 where people were able to sell directly to dispensaries. You know, you had organizations that were able to give, um, cannabis to low income veterans and low income, um, people in poverty that, that needed the free cannabis. But now because you've gotten rid of the, um, donation, the nonprofit clauses, through through implementing Prop 64, you you can't have that now as much anymore. But Gavin Newsom has has the Governor Newsom of California has signed has finally signed the bill, adding some correction to that. So hopefully they'll start they'll start up again very soon. But uh, you know, in the few years since Prop 64 got got put in place, you didn't have that because the new regulation squeezed out nonprofits. They squeezed out charities that were giving free cannabis to poor people and to veterans. But again, I mean we just we just gotta make sure that we have craft cannabis and that we we let our officials know that we want we want a seat at the table. We want cannabis whether it's a business, whether it's doing delivery, whether it's being an edible chef, whether it's whatever it is you're doing, everyone deserves a seat at the table. It shouldn't just be these big companies like MedMen or Columbia Care that control the entire industry and squeeze out everyone else. That's not what needs to happen. We need to take more cues from what British Columbia is doing. Perhaps British Columbia is being incentivized to do this because Alberta is eating its lunch because Alberta sort of allowed a laissez sort of fair cannabis scene to happen. They, they, they made it very easy to set up shop. They, um, they made the regulations very, very favorable towards getting in the industry. And I think they're leading Canada in terms of how many shops they have and how, 
and and how how much cannabis is flourishing even though british columbia has gotten the most shine because you know i mean i don't even really need to explain myself but i mean cannabis can, can, cannabis culture you know the emery's have had have, have have um been pioneers in the field and they they've they've sort of ran british columbia so to speak you know, they're, they sort of run things there and, um, it's not even really close. They, they, they run things there. And I mean, there are even documentaries made about British Columbia's cannabis scene and how, how sort of like how, how gigantic and how, um, how epic it is like it's just been so much written about british columbia and it seems like they're synonymous with cannabis i mean at least when i first started doing my activism whenever i think of canada i think of british columbia and i'm sure a lot of people are the same way and i think i'm i think they're sort of sick of alberta sort of stealing their crown so to speak and they're trying to step it up you know, Saskatchewan has made it very, I mean, I don't know how many dispensaries there are per capita in Saskatchewan, but I do know that they have made regulations very favorable for businesses. Um, they, they recently did something where they lowered the fees from, they lowered the fees for renewal to just a couple hundred of dollars. So that's going to no doubt keep a lot of talent in, in Saskatchewan and, the less red tape and the less money it is to to start and stay in business, the easier it's going to be for average consumers and average jeans and average rows to be able to get in the industry should they choose to do so. So I, I, I can't emphasize how, how much important it is to make sure that craft cannabis and that average jeans have a shot. So I think I've been ranting for long enough. I hope you guys got a lot out of this and peace out. If you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are a few ways that you can do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for housing and equipment and travel. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash IC Sativa Podcasts. You can also support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. If you are feeling extra generous, we have $5 and above tiers. Additionally, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can leave me a voice message on Anchor. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am Canvas Sativa Podcast and click the send voice message button, and I may just play it on a future episode. You can also call and leave a voice message at the phone number 617-466-9389. That is 617-466-9389, and I may just play it on a future episode. If you are in need of some good CBD products, you can also check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp products. You can check them out by checking out this link, um, www.bit.ly slash 33FKRV9. And you can try the following coupon codes. 
Dog Treat 20, Tincture 20, 40% sign off ISO, and 15% sign off CBD. And you can use those codes to get a discount on various CBD products on their website. And if you're looking to get inexpensive CBD flour delivered to your door quickly and cheaply in New England, check out bostonhempire.com where you can get frequent sales on CBD flour and other products such as tinctures and edibles as well too. Boston Hempire will get you cheap CBD flour delivered to your door in New England and the rest of the United States for a very, very good price. And I highly recommend their products too. Feel free to enter the URL HTTPS colon slash slash shop dot Boston dot com slash question mark REF equals D Scotland. Peace out and ciao.